Welcome to Drunk Watching, our weekly pop culture podcast where we sip on a little something and talk about the films and TV shows we're watching right now. I'm Brittany Danielle, and I'm a writer, TV watcher, and completely overwhelmed by life. <laughs> and I am Andrea Renee, a lover of pop culture, Brittany's perennial plus one, and someone who needs a good nap. Yes, we both need a trip to <laughs> Beijing. <laughs> we yes. we both okay. need a trip into the desert, um, only with different with a different ending than what we're going to talk about today. Um, but today we are here talking about season three, episode five of Insecure Highlight. Today's episode of Drunk Watching is brought to you by. The House of 334, a creative services firm that specializes in creating beautiful brands for badass entrepreneurs. If you have copy, social media, and design needs, holler at the ladies of the house on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at House of 334 or online at houseof334.com. If you would like to sponsor Drunk Watching, uh, or send us any feedback, comments, questions, or congratulations. Just say, hey, girl, or girls, <laughs> we love the podcast. Send us an email at hellodrunkwatching at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Twitter and Instagram at drunkwatching. And finally, if you love the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. We are on SoundCloud. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and every other bootleg uh, podcasting platform out there. Tell your friends about us. When we tweet about a new episode, please hit the share button um, and let people know about Drunk Watching if you are enjoying it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so excited that this is our sixth episode. We're getting closer and closer to those double digits. And so just as a little cheers to us. What's in your cup while we're recording um, today, ma'am? Yeah, so I I know last week I said I wanted to deviate from the vodka, and vodka is definitely still in my cup. But what is on top of the vodka is some <laughs> some Almond Creek uh, sparkling wine. Hey, oh. uh, shout out to Jeffrey Owens. I took a trip to Trader Joe's this morning after I went to the gym. <laughs> And I was like, hmm, I need something for drunk watching. Uh, and I moseyed on over to the uh, almond-flavored sparkling wine. Um, and so I have that and vodka. How about you? Okay. Well, um, I cracked the bottle of oak leaf. <laughs> Again, my three-book check. And, uh, you know, taking a, a few sips of their... their uh, Economical wine. I appreciate it. Three but So, you know mm-hmm. what we about to say, y'all. If you are Almond Creek, I believe, <laughs> I believe that is the brand. Better yet, if you are Trader Joe's and you want to sponsor yes. us, because we absolutely love Trader Joe's. I go there probably twice a week at the least. Um, send us all the bottles and snacks and a check. And we will, you know, sample array, the plentiful array of whatever you send us. And we'll shout you out on Drunk Watching. Um, or if you are 
as Andrea calls you, Wally World, aka Walmart, <laughs> the big bad. Um, and you want to? I I I just assume they make. Oak, I don't even know. Or you are the maker of oak leaf, and you want to send us, you know, a case of three buck chuck, like eighteen dollars worth of wine, and a check <laughs> worth more than eighteen dollars. We will happily accept it. Um, once again, you can reach us at hellodrunkwatching at gmail.com or slide into our Twitter and Instagram DMs at drunkwatching. Before we get too insecure, uh, what else are you watching right now? Well, I started to catch up. It's only been two episodes, but I started uh, with Married to Medicine. It's back. Uh, I miss these ladies. They are really the classiest of the reality shows that I watch in terms of, I mean, they, they do some yelling and screaming, but it usually doesn't get beyond that. I mean, they've had a couple of, uh, you know, tags to the face, but <laughs> not many, not many. They tried to, you know, kind of keep it combative with the words, but uh, this season opens with another scandal. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Married to Medicine beyond just right now. But in the previous season, one of the other doctors, Dr. Jackie, her husband had been um, caught with another woman and, you know, they hit the blogs and all of that was going on. So that's how that season started. So for this season, we're dealing with Quad and Dr. G. And so for those of you who need another reference, Quad is a host on Sister Circle. I think it comes on TV One or something like that. I don't watch it, but I know it exists. Um, and so her and her husband are on the outs or have been on the outs. But now his alleged mistress or someone that he allegedly had some dealings with is in the blogs talking. And it opens with everybody kind of reading the blogs and what's going on and Quad doing, you know, what she does best really, which is withdrawal. Whenever something like that happens, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be by myself. So um, we'll see kind of what this season turns out to be. Heavenly and Mariah are still like oil and water. They do not get along. I watched the previews for the season and it looked like, you know, it's just kind of up and down. Some scenes, it looked like they were together okay. And then some, I was like, oh, this might not work out. So they kind of came to a head uh, last reunion. and probably, I think the reunion before, like they, they go around pretty often. So that's married to medicine. Um, Toya and, uh, oh gosh, Cecil. Not Toyo and Cecil, geez, Simone and Cecil. Uh, they were on the brink of divorce during the reunion and they got reeled back in by their friends. I, I'm unsure. Um, they just don't seem compatible. And it's yeah. tough because, you know, they've spent a lot of years together. They have kids. So I'm just like, eh. I don't, I happen to, I don't feel yeah, it. Yeah, I, ha I happen to see Married to Medicine on Sunday because I don't I don't really think there was anything on um, leading up to when it was on and they look like they need to get a divorce. He lives in a different, <laughs> he lives in a different apartment or something. And 
I don't, they do not seem like they should be married to each other. He seems like an old man. And while they're Mm -hmm. probably, I mean, they may be the same age or whatever, but she just seems more youthful and vital and like she needs somebody else besides him. And I really feel bad because she seems to be like, she's really trying to make it work. She's, she, she took those boudoir photos and he was not, he didn't look too impressed, which Jesus, man, just fake it. And, um, yeah, I predict divorce in their future. Yeah. And that's pretty sad because I'm assuming I haven't seen that episode yet, but I'm assuming for her to do that, you know, it was, she's stepping out of her comfort zone to do something for him and expecting him to do something for her. And so she mentioned like, being married to a rock like he's not emotional he doesn't you know tell her that he loves her and that clearly is important and I'm like yeah if you guys aren't gonna compromise for one another why are you you know continuing to do it so that's married to medicine yep and the other yeah the other part of that like I, I I I watched it way I think when it first the first season maybe so I'm familiar with the people, um, kind of just generally, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put them in that not quite basketball-wise category, but they're all creeping up on too old to still be caring this much about this kind of drama. Like in this past episode, Toya threw what was supposed to be her birthday party, but she turned it into a party for her husband um, because he had a he got a promotion and they didn't really get to celebrate it so she commandeered her birthday party to be the surprise party for her husband and she seemed more offended that certain people like quad and what is that other chick contessa which she wasn't mm-hmm. the original cast cast she's new so yeah know her i don't know her situation but she was like hella offended that they didn't come to the party and that they didn't call. Um, even though Quad told her that it would be difficult for her to come because she had something else happening. So she wasn't certain. And then Contessa, Contessa's husband came and he was like, yeah, Contessa had to pick up her dad. At the airport, his flight was delayed. He's not feeling well. So he, you know, her husband came. And so right. she was just still going on and on about the fact that Canessa didn't call Canessa. Canessa <laughs> didn't call and she didn't come and she just thinks that's so rude and it was like a whole ordeal where like the woman's husband is there. Why does she need to call if she sent her husband? Right, right. And so and then there like- was like this moment where, you know, you 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 say something to the people who are at the party, like, thank you for coming. And then she just turned it into this whole anti-contessa thing. And her husband was like, well, this is, you know, this is why she's not here. And she was like, well, she could have called me. And he was like, well, she has her priorities. <laughs> and the importance mm-hmm. of her priorities, which is family first. And, and then I think it was Heavenly who child she needs to relax before she has some kind of heart attack but um (laughs) she called and put Contessa on the phone and then Toya had Contessa on speakerphone 
with the mic up to the phone. I was like, hey, girl, I wish you would have called. Oh, no, like trying to do this whole fake but, like, shady at the same time. It was just so uncalled for. Her husband looked so mortified. And he talked to her like that was so unnecessary. And she just didn't. She didn't see that that was unnecessary. And I'm kind of like, you are, you are grown. Like, how can you not see that you're acting like a child right now? And yeah, it was not cool. Yeah, I feel like that has happened before. I, I feel like all of Toya's events, she acts like that. So I don't even need to see the episode to believe that that's what happened. Womp, uh, Dr. Yeah. Jackie and Curtis. They are inching, I guess, their way back toward where they were. Dr. Jackie says, you know, things are good. But, you know, she asked him about his whereabouts and he paused and that rang an alarm for her. And, you know, if you decide to be with someone after they've been unfaithful to you, I feel like, you know, that is par for the course. Like, I just... I don't know. I I don't know a situation where even if you forgive somebody that you're not triggered by something and it's just it's unfair to you and it's unfair to the other person, particularly if they really have reformed or they're trying or whatever. You just kind of just, you know, keep getting sucked back into that experience so god bless them i mean you know they're older and i can't imagine like who wants to start all over again but at the same time take care of yourself ma'am take care of yourself which kind of brings me i know we you know our fave our favorite ratchet situation love and hip-hop <laughs> but the whole um you know, if it if you get triggered by past cheating, just kind of kicked off in my head about the Bobby Brown story, because oh. in the Bobby Brown story, so I'm I'm gonna just make an executive decision and skip straight to Bobby because I feel like we need the time for Bobby. Yeah, um, we do. He's important. Um, so it, you know, I'm gonna skip ahead and then we can go back through. So Bobby Brown <laughs> in that one scene when him and Whitney are like basically breaking up where we see on part two, I believe. Um, and Whitney's like, oh, this, after the reality show, and she's like freaking out about how the press is talking about her, how she looks like a crackhead, for lack of a better word, and how she looks just kind of crazy. And she's like, all oh, this stuff you put me through, Bobby. And he's like, what stuff? First of all, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Don't act like you didn't through nothing. Deny, deny. I'm like, both of y'all was, you know, on that stuff together, but don't act like you were just the innocent bystander and you didn't put her through nothing. Um, But when she brought, all them times you cheated on me, you had a baby on me when we got engaged now. Like I said on Twitter, I feel like if you knew your fiance, impregnated or got impregnated <laughs> by someone and you still continue to go forward with said marriage I feel like you can't bring that up no more I feel like that is not right. like that's not able to be brought up because that's that's something that you accepted 
Um, I understand, and I very well might bring that up if I were in that situation. First of all, child, I don't, <laughs> I don't see myself being in that situation where I'm like my fiance impregnates somebody and then I go forward with the marriage. Right. Um, but strange things have happened. Right. Like stranger things have happened. Maybe I'm, I don't know. I have no idea, but I just thought now like that just seemed like, girl, you already knew this and you still married him 13 years ago. So how are you still bringing this up right now? Um, but overall, I thought the Bobby Brown story was entertaining. I thought the new edition story was better. Um, and I felt new edition story was more well-rounded. It had more of a story. The Bobby Brown story felt very Crackish. chaotic in parts. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> it yeah. felt like we was on exactly. the show with them. <laughs> like all of us, all of us were on the stuff. Because um, we were, I could never kind of get a sense of what year is this? Like, when is this supposed to be taken? It's like jump from this scene to that scene. And then the last hour of part two was just a bunch of people dying, like Bobby's mom, yep. Bobby's dad, Whitney, Bobby, Christina, like everybody went down in rapid succession. Um, because that, I mean, to be honest, like that's that that's how it happened. Like in 2011, happened, Bobby's yeah. mom died. Twenty January 2012, his dad died. February 2012, Whitney died. I think July 2015, Bobby Christina died. So, I mean, it did happen like that, but it just felt like we never got a real... They were trying to cram every single bit of Bobby's book into the Bobby Brown story. And, like, that's why people should just read the book. Like, you can't put every single thing in there. Like, the whole thing about Janet Jackson. First of all, Jesus, I was, so I have direct TV. I'm on the West Coast, so everything for me comes on three hours earlier. So me and my child, my son, the TV is on, and then it's like this freaking sex scene with Jackson. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, so and it just kept going on. It was so long. It was so long. I was like, when did BET turn into Skinamax. When did this happen? Yeah. Um it was and it was a couple of those. Even in the um uh, the Ghostbusters trailer scene, I was like, um y'all just having conversations yeah. and folks so smoking and trying to write lyrics and all the while it's just going like, oh down. My God. I felt I felt embarrassed for myself and my child because I don't know I said <laughs> things with my mom today. Um yeah so that that was an interesting tra- I mean, I guess I I understand why you include Janet because it's a salacious thing and everybody starts talking like, oh my God, I didn't know Bobby was with Janet or whatever. Um, but I I just don't know if that was necessary. Like it had no bearing on the overall story and it had no bearing on Bobby's life other than I guess, to set up for him getting with Whitney, but we already knew that because we have lived this life. Right. And his brother was like, oh, thought you weren't going to be with any more famous women. Like, that was literally the only reason to include that bit about Janet. And then going to try to trash Janet and be like, oh, yo, 
you don't, you don't, you don't like me because I'm dark skinned. Like, like Jermaine yeah. Dupree didn't exist, but okay. And well, in all fairness, Jermaine Dupree came at a much different time in her life. And, you know, she was more in control. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that that's the reason, but, you know, we are dealing with two different times of life and um, two different circumstances. But I would say that she just didn't want to be involved with somebody that was so erratic like for real, like he probably was exciting and dynamic and all of that. Like Bobby Brown was a man. I was reading like various tweets and different things and people were just like, you know, why is there a movie about him? And I'm just like, like pump all of your breaks. Like today, eh. but in 1990, uh, you know, whenever, like Bobby was the absolute man, and so anybody that was of age <laughs> at that time, they likely was drawn to him, liked him, loved him, wanted to be next to him. Some some was under him, like <laughs> there was all kinds of foolishness going on. And Janet Jackson and Whitney Houston, for that matter, like they were not of that. Like now, Janet didn't want that to necessarily be public. It could have been because she was already in a relationship. But I just think, you know, she was trying to protect her brand. And at that point in time, Bobby was just not, he, he wasn't the one that she wanted to sign onto your brand. As we saw, like, now, this will go on to talk about how they portrayed Whitney in this movie. Right, right. But before we make that transition, I mean, but to be fair, also to Janet, she made the right choice number one um and number two uh she wasn't open about any of her relationships so it wasn't like she just was keeping bobby on the on the qt like we didn't even find out janet was married until she was getting divorced like and can you imagine bobby brown being silent for 10 11 however long she was so that's why she was like no bro You we just saw Renee was the dude like making her videos and cupping her breasts on the on the cover of magazines. Like we did not know right. that man was her husband for a decade. So Bobby, yeah. stop bugging. Wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have worked. All right, go on. Oh, yeah. to how they portray Whitney? No. Because I, I was just saying, yeah, they... felt, I felt some type of way about it. Uh oh. Well, don't share how you felt. <laughs> no, I just felt okay. like. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I, I felt like it was probably a more honest portrayal of her than we've ever seen. Now, maybe it was extreme. Um, maybe it was extra dramatized. But I feel like it made sense. From the narrative that we have gone with and that we have heard or we've made up just to try to preserve what we believe or feel about Whitney and Whitney is telling me just be very clear, be standard as far as I'm concerned. You just stand in my room and just sing all her songs to this day. Like I love, love Whitney Houston. Very, very sad what happened to her. But we have, you know, just kind of held on to this pop princess, you know, type of persona. And she was not. Like she did that on stage, on screen, 
But, you know, she really was a regular person and not just regular, like she was hood and she was around hood people and grew up with hood folks. And now, I mean, I never, I didn't see the latest documentary that they put out about her, but, you know, they're like allegations of um, molestation and all that. I mean, like she lived a tough life among all the glitz and the glamour. And so, you know, being attracted to Bobby, who was outwardly this kind of bad boy and seemed to kind of be the reverse, not maybe not reverse, that's, that's probably extreme, but be a little more subdued, like in their relationship, he seemed to be like really, really in love and really, really into her. And clearly he did his dirt. But I believe that, you know, he to sign over all your money to somebody? Hold on, player. I, I don't care if it was Whitney Houston. She wouldn't have got my dad. Like, <laughs> not all of it. But he just, you know, he seemed like he was really, really loyal in uh, the manner of, like, it's me and you. You know, it's, it's me and you now. I don't know if loyal is the best word to you because it seems like they both kind of still did their thing on the side, but I, I do. I just, I feel like that glimpse of her or the way they portrayed her, um, while it may have been shocking and jarring, it might've been one of the more honest portrayals that, that we've been able to see. Okay. So my issue is not that, that they portrayed Whitney as hood or as a drug addict, because those are two things that, I feel like over the years, most of us have come to realize, like, I feel like in some interview somewhere, um, Whitney's brother, excuse me, Whitney's brother even admitted that Bobby didn't introduce her to drugs, like she was already into drugs. So I wasn't, you know, caught off guard by that part, nor did I think she was some kind of innocent bystander who got caught up in bad boy Bobby. However, like the film was clearly from, I mean, it's called the Bobby Brown story. (laughs) So it's clearly from Bobby's perspective. Bobby and his wife, Alicia, were executive producers. So I just felt like it was written in such a way to be the most sympathetic possible support. You know what I mean? Like, I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around Whitney being as callous and uncaring as they made her out to be in the film um, and him staying with her because that just seems incongruent with the type of person that he is. Like even the Bobby Brown of today, Bobby still is not, I don't want to say he is not like humble and gracious, but like Bobby Brown of today is still Bobby Brown. Like he can't, He's the center of attention, you know what I mean? Like, when he's around, he wants the spotlight. And so I can't even imagine, um, you know, Bobby getting locked out of a hotel room at four in the morning because he didn't bring any any drugs and just skulking off. Like, the Bobby Brown of my mind kicks the door down. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure it just didn't. He didn't go, all right, and come back the next day with some jewelry to apologize for what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just doesn't, 
it felt very, very generous to Bobby. But of course, like I said, like he was involved with the project um, in the same way that I felt like Straight Outta Compton was very generous to NWA um, and kind of, you know, kind of glided over <laughs> their domestic violence and other other issues. Um, right. So yeah, the other part about like nobody cares about Alicia. I'm sure she's a lovely woman in real life, but she occupied a whole lot of screen time in this miniseries that nobody but Bobby Brown and probably their two kids cared about. Like, we breathed through Whitney's death. We breathed through Bobby Cena's death. We breathed that last, like I said, that last hour was just death on death on death. Meanwhile, the hour and two before that was him and Alicia trying to, her telling him she not wit. First of all, no need for that, Alicia. No, no need for the shady shots of Whitney Houston as it did. But, you know, it was like uh, Alicia the goddess. Um, and I just felt like that was not necessary. Like, we get it. Y'all are together. You you credit her for saving your life. She's a producer on the film. We don't want to see you on screen, though, girl. Come in at the end like everybody else. So that was a major beef for me. Yeah, I, I read a lot of people, you know, that had or took issue with that. I I wanted to know who she was, like outside of Bobby Brown's wife and oh she's in the music business or she's the producer. Like, who are you, ma'am? I never knew who she was. So to see her early, first of all, I didn't make the connection early. <laughs> like, who is this? And I think I had to like, oh, that must be his wife. But then I was like, what? She was there that early? Like, I I think, uh, you know, of course the point might have been you know to show that she was quote unquote always around or have been there from the beginning and, and probably as far as she's concerned wanted to you know make sure that people knew she was there before Whitney um, but like you said all of that is kind of immaterial uh, you know to introduce how they met and then maybe came back around at the time that they did that was probably enough um with the whole thing about Whitney, again, it was jarring to me to see her obviously high. Like, to know somebody's on drugs and to see somebody on drugs and how things kind of play out as a result of them being on drugs is, like, totally different. I've never really witnessed somebody not on, like, coke and heroin. I don't know what that looks like. So... You know, at first, you know, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, you know, and, and, and laughing. But then it's like, wait, if this was really somebody's life and the fact that the kid was really raising herself or the nannies or whoever else is working in the house like that, even thinking about that and the fact that, you know, unfortunately, she passed away as well. It's really heartbreaking um, to think about a kid who had the ability to or maybe not the ability, but. She had the resources and, you know, the family and all of that to really be whoever she wanted to be. And she was like doomed from the beginning um, because of their lifestyles. And, you know, Whitney Houston was pretty powerful and she did have the money and the purse strings. And so maybe the Bobby that we know 
like I said, in, in the street, you know, his persona is kick the door down, but maybe in that relationship or in, you know, more privacy of their interaction, he might not have been like that. I'm just trying to figure out like what will possess you to sign over all your money to somebody. I mean, I guess love, I guess, but I don't think that he was at all or not all the time, you know, who we have seen him be out, you know, out in public and the same for her. I don't think she was a hundred percent the devil. I don't think he was a hundred percent the devil. And over these years, we're, what are we looking at? Almost like 30 years, 25 at least years that we have been hearing about them together. Everything has favored with me, like everything. So I, I really didn't feel any kind of way about seeing this. It was kind of like, oh, okay, this is the other side. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I just feel like these last couple of trash Whitney Houston movies have been in part about Bobby Brown. With the exception of this documentary, which... I haven't seen it. I think it's on Showtime and I just don't need to add another channel to my Amazon account right now. Um, Damn, you should have saw it when it was on the free Showtime. Um, (laughs) Oh, wait, the the Whitney, yeah, the Whitney doc that's on Showtime, I've seen that. If that's the one that came out like a couple of years ago, but I'm talking about the one that was in theater. No, the one on Showtime the one on Showtime, I think, is the most recent one. Oh, it's in the eight. I mean, it's on Showtime already. Jeez. Well, it was. It was no. It was like limited release in theaters. It wasn't ever, you know, like full run. In oh. So I think it was like it. It was originally bought by Showtime, and they did like a limited run in theaters. So it was not even Got like it. main. It was more like independent theaters at that. Um, but I haven't seen it, but I've heard from people like it really breaks you down, which is like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not in the mood. Right you don't want to be broke down. Right. No, I'm not <laughs> trying to be broke down. I'm trying to be lifted up. Um, I'm not in the mood. So, but I heard it was really good. And you know, what's really interesting. The person who has the story that I would believe the most is likely Robin. And every mm. single movie portrays Robin as some like figure lurking in the back (laughs) like every single movie and so far Robin hasn't told her story like that last Whitney Houston documentary where everybody was like oh my god it's so good she didn't participate in it people talked about her in it obviously and they talked about Whitney's um bisexuality or whatever but Robin did not did not participate and in this movie they got they got Robin looking crazy um you know and we've always seen Robin in the background but apparently Robin is currently shopping a book so we may be getting Robin's side of the story soon so I'm, I'm interested to see how that's gonna you know impact the story of Bobby and Whitney and Bobby Christina um, because it's, you know, when it all boils down to it, like, this is a really sad, this is a really sad story, particularly because Bobby Christina died and 
even in all of this dysfunction, like, who would have thought Bobby Brown would be the one who was still here? Like, nobody, if you, if you zoom back (laughs) into the late 90s, early 2000s, into the being Bobby Brown days, like, nobody would have thought, you know, growing up in the 80s, it was like Michael Jackson versus Prince. Prince was considered like a bad boy. He was, he was different. He kind of played with, you know, gender in terms of how he dressed and he, he was always with all these women. He was always thinking about sex and it was like, Prince is the bad one. Michael Jackson, <laughs> Michael Jackson is the safe one. And then when Michael Jackson died, I was like, damn, who would have thought Michael Jackson would be the one to die first? And then, you know, to, to hear how he went was like, um, propofol, like a painkiller. Not even a painkiller, but like a surgery sedator. I don't know what the word would be. That word, Um, basically a a surgical painkiller, anesthesia. There we go. I was like, where are my words? (laughs) (laughs) He died from like anesthesia, and then a few years later, to 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 then see Prince die of painkillers. It's just really crazy and really. like drugs like that is a common theme among you know a lot of these artists that we look up to I know I was watching there's a I think it's like eight or nine part maybe maybe ten I've watched them all documentary about jazz and just lots and lots and lots and lots of jazz musicians getting taken out because of heroin um and now these days these people are dying because of painkillers like just this past week, um, rapper Mac Miller died of a drug overdose. And it's just kind of crazy that, you know, like in all of our advancements in life or whatever, like we still have this um, weakness to addiction and to drugs and you know, at, at the root of it, like mental health and pain issues and stuff like that. So <clears throat> I guess the good thing for Bobby is that he has seemed to overcome it, but history tells us that we never know, right? <laughs> like we never know. Right, so, right. So far, Bobby's doing great. He, you know, he's out there selling his food and his barbecue sauce and raising his new babies and him and Alicia are living a good life. Um, And I hope that it's actually true. I hope it's actually true as well. However, Bobby's sister, (laughs) she didn't waste any time letting us know that it's not true. (laughs) Right. Listen, if anything happened to Bobby Brown, Leola, what is her name? Leola Brown? Leola is coming for Alicia's ass. Like, if anything (laughs) happens to Bobby, Alicia better go in hiding because Leola is coming for you. It's just just crazy. Uh, Hilarious. Hilarious. And I know we have, uh, I guess we're going to, you know, jump into Love and Hip Hop, but it was just so interesting when you were talking about drugs. You know, of course, I started thinking about NCT. Yeah, oh, no, I feel like, like yes. we should just no, we should just skip Love and Hip Hop this week, um, and go straight okay. to. Okay, we'll we'll pick them up next week. I feel like Love it, yeah, because they they have much more drama to discuss next week. But yeah, 
all the drugs. So Insecure and Bobby Brown were on one accord this week. Um, <laughs> Insecure, the episode title is High Like. And for me, it was just like one long dare ad. Like, don't do drugs. Um, <laughs> just say no. Ooh. Yeah. So this <laughs> this was Insecure. It was like, just say no to drugs. Um, we knew we were going to Coachella, which this past year was Baychella. Um, so when the, when the episode opens, you know, Issa, she doesn't have, she quit. We got y'all. So she's lifting <laughs> sort of full time <laughs> trying to make ends meet. Um, it's like a series of people that she meets up with. She runs into Thug Poet. I think that was his name. Thug Yoda. Yeah, Thug Yoda, who wants to be taken to the Brinshaw Mall, who, one of our favorites, who was always on the bouch. Um, <laughs> and so, oh my God, my nose is like, whatever. Whew. Oh, oh. <laughs> right, like I'm I'm sneezing, and I'm like, oh God, I feel like Doc Brown. I'm like sneezing and sweating. That's <laughs> <in a> situation. <laughs> I feel like Bobby. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> I haven't That's taken no so drugs though. I'm right on point though. But geez, this is why I can't take drugs because I sweat. I already sweat entirely too much to be on drugs. <clears throat> that would just take it up too far. Um, <laughs> but she's running around and then she runs errands for Molly. <laughs> she runs errands for Molly. She's getting her dry cleaning. She's trying to take flavor. Well, she doesn't actually take flavor flavors to wherever because she doesn't like flavor flavors. <laughs> um, but they're trying to get ready to go to Coachella. So before they can even leave, Molly, Molly's still trying to be the man. Um, and she just can't, like, why does she, she agrees to, like, write a brief over the weekend, even though she made plans to go to Coachella with her friends. She just can't seem to let Torian do it. And I mean, this would kind of be like the thing where I would let Torian, like let Torian write the brief, girl. You are working on this case with him. You are finally front and center, I guess, where she wants to be, where she ditched the other women in her firm to be. And now you're just going to take on all this work? For what reason? I don't understand what Molly's doing right now. She doesn't want to be number two. <laughs> like, yeah, she's up there, but he's up there as well. So she got to cut his legs out from under him and be number one, even though it's utterly ridiculous. Like, I've never been to Coachella, but I know enough to know that's not the weekend that you're trying to write a brief. Like, I'm, I'm just unsure that even in real life, that could have been done the way she pulled it off. Like, oh, on a Friday night, I just knocked this out. So that I can go to this concert. Like, I feel like that was for TV. But that's what she decided to do. Like, not only is it not the weekend to write a brief, but those tickets are not cheap. Like, I know Molly has a good job, but come on. No. I'm not about to spend hundreds of dollars on Coachella tickets and an Airbnb for you to be like, um, I have to cancel last night. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But she was willing to do it, and uh, thank goodness, Issa's like, no, 
bitch, you know, you gotta go. I need this weekend. I think she said that like 15 times in the episode. Like she really needed this. And you know what? She absolutely was right. Like her life has been kind of toast uh, <laughs> over the course of these seasons. It's, at best, it's an up and down. And so this, you know, this was her episode. She she deserves that. Look, her girl. She really deserved that. So they they get to the Airbnb, and you know, Molly has to come later. Um, <clears throat> and when they get there. Tiffany wants to take a nap when they figure out Molly's going to be late. Um, Kelly is bugging out because she's already taking it. So the drug started real early. The drug started early. early. Um, particularly for Kelly, who took an edible. Wasn't Kelly driving? Was she driving? <laughs> yeah, she was driving. So she took the edible on the road between LA and Palm Springs. Girl, get off the wheel. Um, so she took the edible because by the time they got to Palm Springs, she was, she was just out of it. Um, and so by the time Molly gets there, everybody's out of it. They're all asleep. You know, it's, it's a wrap because edibles, I don't see the point guys. They just make you sleepy. Clearly. She was on her way down. She couldn't even <laughs> comprehend what was going on. She kept repeating herself. It was just. It was an utter mess. Kelly went down into her edible stupor, and then I guess Issa, not having anybody to talk to, by the time Molly showed up, everybody was down for the count. And so that's how she I guess, was, was able to finish her brief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, if it only took her a couple hours, because it couldn't have taken her that long, I don't know why she was getting canceled in the first place, but there you go. She got it. She made it happen. The next day, Issa wakes everybody up with some cookie cookie sheets and loud noise. Personally, we just would have to fight because that that's completely jarring. <laughs> don't ever do that. <clears throat> don't ever yeah, do that I'm, unless you're trying to actually have a fight with somebody. Because or it's know. a fire. Like that's it. Or like, it's, it's a, fire. a fire. Yeah. Yeah, but if we it's gotta not a get life out and save our situation, lives. Like, yeah, just just, just throw them hands. Cause that's unnecessary. Throw down um, the pans and let's throw them hands. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it's hands. Okay. hands. That's <laughs> unnecessary. But Issa gets everybody up. She has a text from Nathan. Hey, let's say, um. And Nathan randomly got up there and got a ticket, and he tells them about, about a black pool party. Did you see anybody in the pool at this pool party? Because, you know, black, black people don't get into the pool right. at pool parties. Not initially, but I feel like... People in the pool. I feel like after the drug sequence, everybody was in the pool, and he actually made note of that. But generally, you know, yeah, we don't do that. We... we uh. <laughs> We go to hang out by the pool, you know. Hopefully they weren't drowning after they were all high on the drug pool. But yeah, so Kelly came in jeans. Yeah, I mean, not not necessarily any of them, but like any of the people at the party. So they get to the party and Issa sees Nathan and is all like, hi. And Nathan has some friends. Issa's like, look, he got friends. Now, 
I mean, no shade to his friends, but none of them were attractive. But yet, yeah. you know, shout out to Issa's friends because she made it. They made it seem like they were attractive. <laughs> they made it seem well, like they were attractive. They did, so, or that they were down. Like they were just down to have fun, regardless. Like, and I, I was surprised at Molly for that. I thought if anybody, she would be like, "Oh hell no." <laughs> Right, right. But, so the Molly introduces herself as Molly, as Molly, and the guy is like, "Oh, I'm Percocet," and you know, Molly Percocet, mask off. We get it, bro. <laughs> um, and then Kelly's like, "No, her name is really Molly." <laughs> um, and then dude offers them Molly. <laughs> he broke out his can. It looked like an Altoid box. I was like, "Sir, yep. that's how, this is how I know. That's like, how they maybe I'm here. You go." Maybe I'm like old and washed, but I prefer to think of it as old and responsible because ain't no way, shout out to Aretha, ain't no <laughs> way I'm taking a random pill from a random person. Shout out to uh-huh. Tiffany. You're like, I don't know you. Why would I take this pill from your Altoids box like you're a pharmacist? That pill could have been anything. Right. That was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. And I remember saying it and tweeting it like, mm, there's no way in the hell. Like, hell to the no, no, no. Shout out to Whitney. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking anything from a complete stranger. Like, even, even, I'm just trying to think, like, so what age are these people? Are they in their 30s or are they in their 20s? They're supposed to be at, at the very least late 20s early 30s so either okay. way they're they're old enough to know better i don't care if i was right. 28 or 29 well i was gonna say or, if i when i was their age i was trying to figure out like wh- what that was but yeah at no point in time has that ever been on my agenda i'm like even taking things like you know drinks from shit like if i don't see it being poured from the bartender i don't i don't do that um, because right, definitely, especially you like you ain't trying to. Oh God, yeah, we're, we're hypersensitive. Like, hey, come on, <laughs> right? But maybe Shout they are. I don't know. These <laughs> these people seem to be like that's what they wanted to do. Yes, yes, I do want to be drugged by a stranger, so that's why I'm taking this from you. Whereas the rest of us are like, oh, right? No, no I need, like, I need all of that. my wit. I need all of my wits about me. Like I may drink, but I'm usually buying them or I'm usually with people that I trust to give them to me. Um, even it, when we were in college, I felt like ecstasy was starting to be a big thing, which isn't, isn't MDMA just basically ecstasy. I think we went to a predominantly white college. And, yeah. And no, nah, not at all, sir. You were not. My mom was not gonna come claim my body from nowhere, cause absolutely not. Um, but Issa and company forge ahead. They take the X. They take the MDMA, and Nathan's like touching up on her arm, and she's being like awkward to the max because all of her <laughs> all of her senses are heightened, and. You know, eventually they end up going to the concert, and by the time they get to the concert, it was already wrapped. If I was Tiffany, I would have just left them because <laughs> Tiffany is like wrangling cats. 
at that moment. She's the only sober right. one. She's sober yeah, and I'm she's sure like super pregnant. Like pregnant, yeah. I, I just wouldn't have been there, first of all, because Coachella gets really, really hot. Um they often have these dust storms. So that was not even like Tiffany was Tiffany should have been at home with Derek, like she said. Um but they get there, <laughs> Tiffany's like, let's stay together, guys. Meanwhile, they're like, where's the water? I need the water. <laughs> and so they try to go to, to the stage to claim, you know, claim a spot for Beyonce. And this is why I cannot, I'm, I think I'm, I came to my senses. I'm like, you know what? I'm too old festivals because mm-hmm. first of all, I don't want to be outside all day. Um, and I don't have any, any problem like going to a place like the House of Blues or some other venue where it's general uh, admit, uh, admittance or whatever, like where you have to stand up for the show. But right. I'm not trying to be there all, all day. day. <laughs> yeah. Like if I had to be at Coachella at, you know, in the morning to try to hold my place for Beyonce to come on at the end of the, like, I just would not have made it. I would not. Yeah. I have made it, which is why I watched it on YouTube and I got my life mm-hmm. and I was able to tweet about it and my feet were not hurting and I was not high at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty much a good wrap up. Of <laughs> 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 <A> festivals, of <laughs> festivals, I mean, the idea when she's, you know, her and Nathan end up, you know, kind of walking off. And she mentions the idea of having a festival like that in Inglewood. And unfortunately, my mind first went to the negative, like, oh, my God. They shoot. They, somebody's going to get shot. That's what I'm, I mean, listen, growing up in L.A., I feel like all, all of our minds go to they shooting. Um, <laughs> even though... Like Magic Johnson said, we can have fun in our community. Like he used to yeah. say on the intro for <laughs> the theater. The um, movie, yeah. History tells us that it's not always a thing. But you know what? If we could have a street festival like that, that would be pretty dope. I will say. I might go to Ingo Cella or whatever. Coco Cella. Coco Cella. Um, <laughs> I might go to Coco Cella, but I would take note of all the exits before I let myself um, be free because anything could go down. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, they they walk off uh, and Kelly and, and friends, and they go, <laughs> they go find the food. And, you know, while they're walking, Issa, you know, just kind of blurts out like, hey, why haven't I heard from you? And his response is, you know, I I felt like I came on too strong before and I didn't want to appear pressed. And so I remember tweeting, you know, gentlemen, men, folk, sirs, <laughs> guys, fellas, like, you will know if a woman is not into you or you're doing the most.com, like, you don't have to worry, okay? You will know. Until then, do what it is that you're doing. Like, if you get the phone number, if she's a gay, I mean, like, they giddy dips on their first quote-unquote date. I mean, like, I really don't know what other welcome mat you need out um, to know that texting or calling is okay. But, you know, uh, I mean, 
and I understand guys and some guys in particular show it more than others. Like nobody wants to feel rejected or feel in this age of like thirst, you know, like, oh, I don't want to be thirsty. But quite frankly, like if you really like somebody and you have an inclination or you know that they like you too, like just go for it. And I think so many relationships go through what they go through because somebody's always trying to hold back or they're trying to, you know, kind of play it cool and you know I don't want to be too out there but the only way to really win big is to risk big that's my opinion now don't you know just throw your cards out there for any old body but I feel like you know the way that they were moving to just not call her or respond or whatever to make it seem like a kind of ghosting situation that that was kind of weird so I'm glad she asked yeah, I'm glad she asked, even though it was fueled. She got a little confidence because of the Molly, so <clears throat> one one for the Molly. Um, but I did find his answer. I'm still, I guess, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop with Nathan. Um, I'm not trying to get. <laughs> I'm not trying to get caught up in Nathan because just history tells us that people are not perfect and I would say they had a near perfect first kind of date like it was cute it was memorable it was fun um she shared a lot he shared some but his whole like oh I didn't want you to think I was pressed like it could be him being super vulnerable or it could be him lying. So I think, I think the jury is still out for me. Right, right. Because we did say he could have a whole family somewhere. Right, he could know. have a whole family back in Houston that we don't know about. But they, uh, where did, they went off to initially get water, right? Right, or something to drink, yeah. They went off to initially get drinks and they ended up on a Ferris wheel. Um, Nathan didn't really want to get on the Ferris wheel, but he got on, um, because Issa loves Ferris wheels. And then of course it breaks down. And so <laughs> they're, they're on this Ferris wheel high up in the air. He's unsure about what's happening. Issa is still feeling the effects of the Molly and maybe that makes her feel I, I mean, obviously, that makes her feel more bold to even ask him, like, why you didn't call me? And then to, like, mm-hmm. start making out with him. They end up having a he got gay moment. Um, oh, shout, out uh-huh. to, shout, out, shout out to the older fans of, <laughs> of Drunk Watching. Of Drunk Watching, yeah. He got game and, and no uh, Jesus and Lala Thank down you, at Jesus. Coney Island. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus and Lala get down on the Ferris wheel at Coney Island. Um, Issa and Nathan get down on the Ferris wheel at Coachella. So while she is living her very best life, her, her friends are not. <laughs> her Going friends down are not. The flames. <laughs> Going her friends down are going. Jesus, her friends are going. Absolutely through it. Uh, Molly is, she done laid her designer coat on the ground to save everybody's spot. And then the dude was like, you can't sit down when you on MDMA. First of all, if you can't sit down 
when you're on a drug, you don't need to be on that drug. Because what? What the hell? You can't sit down when you want Molly? You just got to stand up until it wears off? Is that how it works? (laughs) I guess. I I would not have known that if it weren't for old boy. So I learned as much as I learned that day. That just sounds mm-hmm. like a bad idea. <laughs> you cannot sit down. Hurt and you can't even sit down. You will pass out. So he, he gets her up, and so she's basically passed out. <laughs> He's leaning against her. I mean, she's leaning against him. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, <laughs> Kelly went off to get food. She comes back with one waffle and she don't know what happened to the other one. And the dude is like, girl, you ate it before, <laughs> before you got over here. <laughs> Tiffany is, poor Tiffany is pregnant and tired and just the only sane one at this point. But she's at the end of her rope, too. And then who starts the fight? Like, some Becky is on some Chad's shoulders. I can't even say Chad. He's our guy. Um, some Becky's on, like, some Jared's shoulders. And either Molly, I can't remember, Molly or Kelly is like, we can't see, y'all are in our spot. And so they just get into a fight. And she pulls the girl down off the guy's shoulders, which is definitely dangerous. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) That girl could have broke her neck. That girl could have broke her neck. She pulls it down. It turns into a fight club in the middle of Coachella. Um, All the blacks get kicked out. Uh, (laughs) Kelly, (laughs) Tiffany, the Asian black man, (laughs) the honorary black Asian man. Um, The other black dude who never really got a uh, name. uh, Percocet got kicked out. Everybody gets kicked out. Issa learns of the kickout. Um, while they're outside, Kelly is still super high. <laughs> She's like me. She wants she wants to know why all the blacks got kicked out. And so she decides to make a run for it. <laughs> she decides oh, to oh, not a good idea. She decides she's gonna try to run back into the concert because they hear Beyonce hit the stage. Mm, mm, mm. And <laughs> She gets paged. That was so shocking to me. Like, she's running, and the next thing you know, <laughs> it's just her body <laughs> freezes, locks up, starts jerking, and she hits the ground. And I was just like, oh, shit. I was not expecting that at all. But you know what? That's the kind of stuff that goes down. Like, she, oh, you're not going to get away from us. Um, we're going to, I mean, like, they could have tackled her, really. I mean, I don't think that, that part would have been too much better, but they didn't have to do that. Um, but they did really not didn't. have to tase her. I just Mm-mm. feel like it Mm-mm. was, I mean, it was played for a comedy because, you know, she gets tased, and <laughs> when she rolls over, we see that she has peed on herself. Yeah. Um, but like, if we kind of look, even in the news recently, there was eleven an eleven year old girl who got tased for shoplifting food at a grocery store. Oh, and I'm just kind of like, there was no other options, cop. 
You you couldn't let the girl right. have the food. Right. You had to taste this child. So I just think it was, you know, we see it as comedy, but it's also, in my mind, a commentary on the overreaction of these are not even police. So why did, police, why did yeah. they have a taser? You are right. a, I mean, you're not even a rent-a-cop. Right. Like you are somebody in a yellow jacket at a concert checking bags. Like that's it. Yeah. Um so she gets <laughs> she gets tased. Issa learns about what's happening and what I find weird is that when she gets to the house and Nathan's like, hey, do you want me to come in with you? And she's like, no, everybody's mad at me, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh, how did she jump to that conclusion? Like, why does she immediately assume? Because she just kept saying it over and over. Like, I know you're mad at me. We're all mad at me. Like, why would, why would she jump to the conclusion right. that they were all mad at her? I just assumed either they had, you know, been texting or maybe she just felt like she just felt bad in general about what happened. I mean, she went to get something to drink and technically never came back. However, you know, the Ferris wheel breaking down was not her fault, but she like literally had a great time in all of that. And they had this horrible experience. I don't know how much, she found out from the phone call, you know, Tiffany's hysterical. She even at the point of them, uh, you know, getting kicked out, <laughs> mentioned that she took a piece of the weed, bro. I mean, so like, she's not herself. So I just assumed e- either through their communication while Issa was on her way, um, you know, she figured they were mad or she just kind of felt that internally, like being a bad friend because, you know, I, I maneuvered this whole trip so that I could see him because technically, you know, if he wasn't involved then his friends wouldn't have been involved. Maybe they wouldn't have gotten that high. I mean, I know Kelly had her own um, edible supply, but you know, kind of all these things happened as a result of Issa trying to hook up with Nathan. Yeah, <clears throat> I can see that. I just, when she kept saying it, I was like, girl, ain't nobody mad at you. They mad, they're just mad at the situation. And even the next morning when they all wake up and are feeling terrible, they're still able to laugh about it. And in that, at no point did anybody say like, Issa, you ruined our weekend. It was kind of like, oh shit, yeah. we just, woo, girl, we had a time. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't have any water in the house, which I find really odd. And maybe other people will find odd that they just don't turn on the faucet and drink the water, but listen, we don't drink the water in California. Um so <laughs> I don't know what they got happening in Palm Springs, but if it was me, I would go get water as well. Um so they her and Tiffany had to seven eleven to get water and you know, while we don't get the tea about Tiffany's baby daddy, if Derek is the dad, why he was in the hotel, maybe we'll never get that. I, I come to that conclusion, like, we probably won't, because in the grand scheme of things, like, it's not important. Like, Tiffany's not the main character. Um, but 
she admits that she feels left out because she's having a baby and, you know, things are just going to be different. And while Tiffany has been my least favorite character up until this point, at this moment, I totally felt her because I feel like out of our friendship circle, like I was probably the first to have the kid. And it is, it is a different feeling. Even if people don't go out of their way to make you feel left out, like you, your life changes. So you don't, you, you know, you can't be as carefree or as, you know, spontaneous. Um, so you, you do have that moment where it does feel like, oh my God, everything's going to change and they'll never be the same. Um, so Tiffany has that moment and I really appreciated that. Yeah, I, um, her her look, the tone of her voice, like everything changed in that moment. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like she's somebody else right now. I could totally appreciate her vulnerability and, you know, really opening the door and the conversation, you know, to how friendships change, whether it's somebody getting married or getting into a serious relationship, somebody having a kid, somebody going back to school. Um, you know, when there are different goals, starting a business, when there are different goals or different situations within a friend circle, um, it, it really just takes your friends, uh, you know, being understanding of your life, um, but also for the person that's kind of turning the corner, you know, if you've made a decision to do something different with your life um, or, you know, you now have these larger responsibilities. It's also like, you know, <laughs> the best way I can come up with is like, don't blame your friends for that. Like, I feel like friends need to be understanding. Like, I didn't like how Issa, you know, was kind of really pushy toward her, you know, over the course of the weekend. And it's not like she was newly pregnant. She was like pregnant, pregnant. And so, you know, trying to get her to drink and, you know, putting her in a situation where everybody is high. Like, I just thought that was super extra. But it also, like you say, it, it is a reflection of how some friendships are. Some people are just so about, you know, the party or themselves and not really taking into account, like, oh, this is the experience of my friend. And I did think about you, you know, and I watched and I was like, I wonder if she felt like that, you know, trying to go back that far in my brain, which not even really that far. But it's that far. <laughs> I know we were talking about it earlier, like, oh, can you believe my kids left me? And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that's not that long ago, but it is that long ago, you know? And, um, you know, and I know there have been times, you know, when we are like, hey, we're going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, and you may not have been able to go um, or opted to not go. Um, and I think for all parents, that make those kinds of decisions. It really just, you know, shows what a great parent you are um, and the priority of your kid over yourself or over, um, you know, whatever fun thing is happening in that moment. So salute to the parents. And, you know, just as girlfriends, we all need to be more understanding of life changes because whether it's a kid or any other thing like as we get older um as things happen to us or around us like things are going to change so 
have a good time as long as you can, doing as much as you can, and then just, you know, give a little grace as things shift in um, in your lives. So I, I appreciate Tiffany in that thing. But the whole we'll still be friends, it sounded like, oh, are they breaking up? Like this might be the turning point, you know, for the yeah. circle. Um that she Tiffany used those might- exact words. Yeah, Tiffany might be going the way of Daniel because Issa mm-hmm. <laughs> was like, we'll still be friends. And she was like, yeah, I hope so. Like, it didn't, she wasn't like, yeah, girl, I know. Things just going to change, yeah, no. but I know. She was like, mm, I hope so. Yeah, but you know what it is? I think probably... maybe, <clears throat> like, maybe coming off, coming off that whole crazy Coachella experience, like, I would probably have a hope. Like, girl, I don't know. You just. Put me through I'm my baby around y'all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Um, I mean, I, you know, it, it, it is different when you're going through some kind of life change. And I don't feel like, <clears throat> not to make this our therapy session once again, but I don't feel like any of my friends actively kind of excluded me. I felt like, you know, once I moved back and had the kids, like I was always um, <clears throat> thought of like, hey, like, it, do you want to go here or there? And sometimes I could go. And to be honest, sometimes it's like, mm, I can't go because I don't have a babysitter. And it was mostly because I didn't want to go. And I was like, yeah, the baby gives you a convenient excuse. So. Tiffany does have that moving forward if she if she wants to detach from her crew. Um, she okay. does have the good the good baby excuse. But it did, it did sound like, huh, maybe they're going to not be friends anymore. Interesting. Um, I will say for me personally, like I don't have any and I don't know what that says about me as a person. Like I don't have any mommy guilt when I go away. <laughs> go away <laughs> like I have absolutely no money guilt I was at Essence Fest living my best life and and all of that and even when he was little and I can't remember if I went away a lot so that might be one thing but even if you know when I've had the opportunity to not be around my kid I think there's a lot of pressure on mom to be like oh my god don't you miss your baby don't you miss your child I'm like child no I'm not calling that child. He don't care. And I don't care either. Like, and like I said, I don't know what that says about me, but it's definitely, uh, we have to negotiate these changes in life um, as they come along. And the changes keep coming, particularly for Issa, because she goes to 7-Eleven with Tiffany. Tiffany stays in the hot ass car. First of all, Tiffany, it is 130 degrees in that car. Right. Turn that key and, and blow the AC <laughs> Right. Like she just <laughs> left her with the window down like she was a puppy. Child. Mom's oh, freezing. Hot as hell. Um, oh, she got to lose her friend. She, ain't- <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even leave the key in the car. Like, girl, run the AC. Um, but Issa goes. It's a 7 Eleven. She's looking around for. I don't know why she can't find water. Oh, she's trying to find a special kind of water. Um, So she's trying to find water. And who do we see 
we see my guy, Chad. Chad is Chad. in there sipping on a Slurpee, looking, living his best <laughs> Chad life. And I love, I love Chad. And of course, Chad's like, oh, look who's here. No, <laughs> so he's don't. not alone. He is and out from behind the chips. <laughs> right. Emerges. Oh, my guy, Lawrence. I was so happy to see him. I was the only one for me with that. I feel like we should institute some kind of funk master flex sound if it's bum, bum, bum. Like right. Lawrence. <laughs> the Lawrence five. Lawrence, Lawrence yes. emerges looking pretty good, I must say. Yeah. Looking pretty yes. good. Right? Um, looking calm and collected, like, hey, Issa. I don't even remember what he said, but it was, it was kind of like, hey, hey. And yeah. how, how typical. Wow. How freaking typical. Jasmine's trying to start something new with somebody else. The ghost of Christmas past comes in. <laughs> it's just to test your resolve. Uh, I I think that's what it is. Yes, they definitely have some sort of inner tracking device where they know where you're either just like completely not thinking about them or definitely when you are on to something new. Like they pop up, they call, they text, like somehow just in your consciousness when you're like, really? I thought I left you back there. And so I think every woman, you know, that just resonated with them. Whether or not you were happy to see Lawrence, you really are like, you know what? <laughs> I've lived this before. The only reason why I wasn't, I didn't have a complete attitude was because, you know, Lawrence wasn't the one, well, ultimately, wasn't the one that, that did wrong. You know, of course, he wasn't the best boyfriend, but he didn't cheat. And normally, it's the one that caused the demise of the relationship that always wants to pop their head up when you have gone on about your business. So I think we're going to see, you know, definitely a different spin because, you know, they ended on a good note in terms of separating at the end of season two. Who knows what he's been doing himself, but he looks pretty good. So, you know, either the Google app, did something or he has a different idea I don't know but he looks like he's been doing well um you know Issa's kind of climbing her way out of the thing she's been in um and so I just think it'll be interesting to see them kind of on different footings this time like she's you know she's feeling feeling her way around in the dark at this point you know, doing a fairly good job. And he, you know, seems to have stabilized and is, you know, has moved forward or at least made a move in his career. So we'll see how they connect or reconnect. I, I feel like you, in terms of Nathan, I mean, I don't know, like, oh, she should just fall back in with Lawrence or fall back in with him at all. But I don't necessarily, I'm not completely sold on. Nathan either. So I don't know what you should do, girl. Uh, <laughs> I'm unsure. No, I feel I, yeah, I feel like Issa needs to take a minute and focus on what she wants to do and what her life is about. 
And if Mason fits into that, great, but not to focus her attention on him. Like she needs to sort out her career situation. Um, Mm -hmm. She needs to get on more solid financial footing. Like she has bigger fish fish to fry versus, you know, Lawrence or Nathan. Um, I certainly don't think she should get back together with Lawrence. Probably because, like I said before, like, I don't think toward the end she was in love with Lawrence. I think it was more familiarity, and they were just used Mm -hmm. to each other, and she was just afraid to let go. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, But that's why I said it will be interesting to see them now, you know, at at two different points of their lives um, where it, it may work, or it may work just as friends um but it, it will definitely be interesting to see like she's not going to be taking care of him he's not you know in this depressive state or all of the things that you know she complained about or or you know found fault with um the one thing i will say that i appreciate about of course my baby daniel um who at this point i mean i guess is is rest in peace i guess he <laughs> He definitely is not going to find his way back. But, um, you know, he recognized, of course, her love and her gifts and talent as far as music is concerned. And then even uh, Nathan. And so I don't know that I've heard Lawrence ever refer to that. I don't know if he knows because Mirabitch exists because she's always in the mirror. But I don't know that I've ever seen her like rap in front of him or make mention about anything musical. So I'm not even sure what he knows about, you know, her aspirations or kind of love of music. So that's something interesting as well. But I can't wait to see all the folks that were upset. I was just like, good. Everybody exhale now. The man is back. Jesus. I know. And it looks like judging by, because I always fast forward through the um Jesus I really can't talk today I always always fast forward through the credits to get to you know the next next time on and to the wind down so it looks like uh Lawrence is really here um to stay for the second half of the season it's not like a one and done like he pops up and then she's obsessing about it for the rest of the season um right like, I think he's actually integrated into the rest of the season. So I guess we'll see where it goes. Um, I'm not a proponent of them getting back together. Certainly not right now. Um, I'm not necessarily like ill, never, because clearly they have a lot <laughs> of history. But I just feel like Issa has a lot of things to work out on her own um, that she's kind of just now starting to work out. Um, and I want to see her, you know, go through those changes and be a more stable and um, and a more, um, for lack of a better word, powerful in her own power, Issa. Empowers. There we go. Be a more stable and a more empowered Issa so that, you know, whoever she chooses to be with, like, she's coming to them with... Um, her own self-confidence that she's not looking for herself in other people. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, I actually, when I saw the previews, I was hoping that, I mean, I know the show is primarily about Issa, but I was hoping that we got a chance to see Lawrence kind of progress and grow and find himself too. Like I, I feel like both of them are on this journey of self-discovery and it's great to see that for her, but to see it from a, a male point of view or happening to a man, I think um, that would be something that we haven't seen. I think women are often, you know, on the, the road to getting it together, self-discovery or self-improvement and all of that. But we rarely see, you know, men doing the same thing, like actively. Generally, you know, they'll get themselves together like, oh, okay, it's time. You know, I'm, I'm such a self age. Let me go ahead and get married and blah, blah, blah. But rarely do you hear about a man that's like, you know what, let me get me together. Let me find out what I like, what I love. You know, at least I haven't. And so um, particularly on television, I think um, it would be good if that is how they come back together or even if they stay apart, you know. He's been gone at this point, so I'm not, I'm not super invested anymore. But, <laughs> but it would be, you know, nice to see that journey for him as well. It would. Well, we have three, I believe, three more episodes of Insecure. Three, uh, yes. We have three yeah. more episodes of Insecure, and it is blowing by, but we have lots of things to look forward to. We have Lawrence back in the photo, back in the, <laughs> we have Lawrence back in the picture. We have Issa trying to trying to figure it out. We have Molly, who let me just say right now, she's gonna sleep with Torian. Um, that's my prediction. Um, and she's gonna get burned. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody can make progress at the same time. So I feel like Molly still hasn't learned the lessons that she needs to learn. Um, and then we'll see. We'll see what happens with Nathan. We'll see if Daniel pops up. We'll see. We shall see. Well, this has been a great uh episode. We were both excited to talk about it. You know, I I think we're gonna get a lot more in these uh, next three episodes. I know I've, I've read some comments, you know, and people felt like this season started off pretty slowly. Um, what do you think? Do you think, you know, the season's been good so far? You wish it would have gone differently? Or what are your general thoughts? Um, I've been enjoying this season so far. I don't I don't know what people wanted. Um I've personally been enjoying it. I enjoyed, you know, the little walkthrough date, uh, South Central rom-com date with Nathan and Issa. I enjoyed learning more about Daniel. Um, I've been I've been digging this season, so I don't have any complaints. And I think that with the re-edition of Lawrence, it's just going to be able to explore even more. Um, I'm here for it. Here for it all. Right. Absolutely. And and shows and characters have to evolve or else we're watching the same thing season after season. So, you know, people are expecting, you know, season one Issa or even season two Issa. 
uh, and company. It's just not going to be that. Um, I am excited about the ride that we've been on and, you know, so far watching the season and being able to recap it and, and like actually flesh everything out has been really exciting as well. So I can't wait to see what happens. I don't know if Tiffany's going to have her baby. It's, oh, well, we do know Drove returns next week. So that should be interesting as well. Uh, we do know Drove. Oh, we do. <laughs> yeah. Doggy Drove returns. And yeah, yeah. I, well, mean, not sure what I, happens, I but, feel like yeah. Molly is not. I mean, maybe that, I feel like maybe that would just drive her to sleep with Torian, but we'll see, because I, I absolutely don't know, um, but he's there, and hopefully Molly is still no better, do better, not just no better, no better. No better, no better. All right, good people. Uh, that is we'll our review back. of Insecure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That is our insecure recap, and we will be back next week to discuss all of it, plus lots of love and hip hop because we didn't get to that this week. Um, I just want to say I'm waiting for Ray J to get beat up. Somebody serve him up some hands. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it. Boo-da. Right, not Buddha. I'm waiting for Ray J to get beat up. <laughs> Only for TV, guys. Um, but in the meantime, if you would like to send us any feedback, questions, comments, want us to discuss any particular aspect of any show, hit send us an email at hellodrunkwatching at gmail.com or slide into our Twitter and Instagram DMs at drunkwatching. Um, and please, please, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we are on all of them, Google, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Send us a review and hit the hit the share button when we share it out on Twitter. Tell your friends to listen in if you are feeling drunk watching podcast. In the meantime, we will see you next week, guys. I am Brittany Danielle. And I'm Andrea Renee. Adios. Have a good one. Bye.